The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm the host, Chelsea Henderson. And if you're new to the show, I just wanted to give you a little preview that the EcoRight Speaks is a place where we discuss climate change and adjacent topics with a right of center point of view. We drop new episodes most Tuesdays. And on that note, I wanted to let our regular listeners or our newest listeners know that we are taking the next two weeks off. Call it spring break, if you will, but we'll be back in your ears on April 13th with a new episode featuring one of the founders of the nonprofit group Science Moms. Afraid you'll miss us during the hiatus? Use the break as an opportunity to listen to any episodes you might have missed or to revisit a favorite. I actually think that most of the episodes age pretty well. Um, maybe you could even find a friend you think would enjoy the show. I know there are so many podcasts to choose from. It can get a little overwhelming. And I know that the ones that are in my regular rotation are mostly introduced by friends whose opinions I value. You could really play that role to bring us an expanded listenership. And if you don't check out any of our old episodes during the hiatus, maybe this is your time to go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, drop a one or two-line review. Price, with his great radio voice, will read it on the air. Today's guest comes to us from the Natural Gas Vehicles for America Association. Daniel Gage is not only their president, he hosts their podcast, so the pressure is on listeners. I really appreciated his perspective on how NGVs, which I really didn't know much about going into the show, play a different role than electric vehicles, EVs, which you might have heard a little bit more about. And, you know, together it's all part of pieces of the puzzle on our quest to um, see lower emissions. So without further ado, stay tuned for my conversation with Daniel Gage. Welcome back, listeners. As promised, I'm here with my special guest to talk all about natural gas vehicles. Welcome to the show, Daniel. Hi, thanks for having me. So I just have to note that this is the second time that I've had a guest who's, who has their own podcast. And I feel like the pressure is a little higher. No, 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 no. I am not an expert. I am a, a modest uh, dabbler. But <laughs> same reason you probably started one, right? Because you feel like you have to put something together and be on all mediums. Well, and you know, sometimes you just feel like people have to hear your voice. I don't really mm -hmm. like to listen to my own voice. I make myself listen to the podcast myself every week. And this one day I was listening and one of my kids walked in the room and was like, is that you, mom? <laughs> <laughs> they don't listen on their own. Sure. Um, okay, so Daniel, for those yes. who don't know what a natural gas vehicle is, I just thought maybe you could explain that, especially in the context of EVs or contrasting to EVs, which I feel like everyone does hear about. Right. So our organization, we're at, we're on 501c6, just a national trade association. We were created 
out of an offshoot, an offshoot from the American Gas Association, which was all the local gas distribution companies, the gas utilities, um, back in the late 80s when the U.S. was trying to get off foreign oil and uh, a name named a gentleman named Boone Pickens, who I'm sure mm-hmm. <laughs> had an idea we should be using domestic natural gas. And so the big focus early on was on light duty. It still uses an internal combustion engine, um, very similar properties. It's like a one-to-one replacement for a traditional vehicle, although you're burning a much cleaner fuel. Uh, you know, natural gas is methane and methane is is uh, one carbon for, um, for um, so one, one carbon atom. So it's a really clean fuel. Um, over the years, uh, as especially in the last say 10, 15 years, as electric vehicles have sort of overtaken as the go-to by the automakers uh, for the light duty sector, we're still seeing huge interest in medium and heavy duty. So big tractor trailers, refuse trucks, transit buses, um, they've long time, uh, been longtime users of natural gas. And as the engines become more efficient and have become cleaner and cleaner, um, it's really a really great alternative to diesel. So a typical um, ultra low NOx natural gas engine in a class A tractor trailer truck, for instance, is 90% cleaner than the, than the EPA standard. It's 90% cleaner than the cleanest diesel. And it has a 0.02 grams per braking horsepower, uh, horsepower of NOx, uh, of NOx. So it's it's like the ivory soap, if you will, of of tractor trailers. Um, it's not a zero emission. We do have a tailpipe. However, when you look at those emissions well to wheel, we actually beat out electric based on how that electricity is generated. So, and does it do anything for the power of the vehicle? I feel like maybe 10 years or maybe even longer ago, I was, I don't remember if it was a congressional hearing, but Mm -hmm. concerns being raised that these trucks, so if you are thinking more of heavy duty vehicles, they wouldn't have the horsepower. Right. So, so we have, uh, it's a natural gas vehicle um, engine. The natural gas engine is made by a, a joint venture between Westport Fuels and Cummins. They're made in the United States. They come in 6.7, 9, and 12 liters. So they 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 have the, the whole gamut that you would need in the heavy-duty classes, six through eight. Um, certainly, because we're an industry that's not brand new, um, there have been a lot of our D&D develop, you know, developments, technology upgrades over the last decade, even more. So I know I, too, have talked to fleets that tried natural gas, say, six, seven, eight years ago, it's a completely different game today. And so we are proven, we have a mature network of suppliers, infrastructures, fuelers, and more importantly, um, all of those sort of glitches that happen certainly when you're in the bleeding edge of technology, those are gone. And um, we have a really a one-to-one replacement in terms of range, power, torque, everything that's needed. So it's, it's, it's a really, uh, re- really easy technology to adopt, especially if you're already using diesel. There are some things you do differently, um, but uh, the performance is is identical. And and you because you have the range, um, because you have uh, the full capacity, right? You don't your your whole payload isn't going to be batteries. Uh, because you have that payload, you, you, you basically it's a you know when you're purchasing new vehicles, you don't have to buy one and a half to uh, to meet the the previous um, the previous need. So how does a, a vehicle that is natural gas fueled fill up, so to speak? Do you have to have special 
is there a special sign on a gas station or is it a different facility altogether? Great, great question. There are roughly 1,800 natural gas stations across the United States. Many of them are private. Many of them are private and with maybe a public access in front. You tend to see them because we don't have the big footprint in the light duty sector, or at least the personal sector. These are usually located in office parks near airports. Um, you know, it's it's a fuel you might see, say, at a truck stop, um, a Loves or a Pilot truck stop along the highway. That uh, that happens quite regularly. Um, but usually, these are commercial fleet vehicles um, that are using natural gas today. And so you wouldn't see them on the street corner on your way to work. Right. Not like when I'm at my local brewery, there's a, right. an electric vehicle charging station there. I happen to know right. because my friends use it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And when you fuel, I'll say this. So there's two types of natural gas. You can, the, the, the gas can be transported either, or, or the, the gas can be in two different forms. One is compressed natural gas. I was going to ask about compressed. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Compressed. So one is CNG, uh-huh. one is LNG. Most on-road fuel today is is being uh, is is compressed natural gas, the CNG, and that's just it's a gaseous fuel as opposed to liquefied. When they liquefy it, they bring it way down in temperature, and you can just store greater volume. So, LNG um, for on-road was going to be used for big long-term long-haul tractor trailers. It really never took off. Most of the sweet spot for natural gas are sort of return to base operations. So maybe 200, 250, 300 miles a day. Um, it could be short haul freight. I mentioned refuse before. I mentioned transit or school buses. So these are vehicles that go out, run all day long, and tend to come back. And so um, we're seeing most of the most of the applications now in CNG. Um, the other thing that's important to note is that compressed natural gas and liquefied natural gas can be either produced by geologic sources, conventional natural gas from below ground, or renewable natural gas, which is capturing methane emissions from above ground. Which is something that I feel like anyone who cares about climate change should be in favor of. Absolutely. I mean, naturally occurring methane is a potent greenhouse gas. Mm -hmm. It's the second biggest contributor to human-caused global warming after CO2. And RNG projects capture this methane, right? And we redirect it away from the environment. And we, we really were repurposing it as a clean, green energy source. So we're taking, in, in, in this idea of a circular economy, we're taking what was a liability or is a liability and turning it into a clean energy asset and in the, in the process, displacing diesel. So it's... Um, it's a really unique concept and it's sort of, we, you know, we have to reimagine wastes and waste streams. This is the perfect way to do it. And so you're probably, your next question might be, well, how do you produce natural gas? Where does it come from, right? Renewable natural gas, likely from um, landfills. So they capture, they have to cap that landfill gas um, from wastewater treatment facilities. It could be crop waste or forest waste. It could be, and not so much, we don't see so much of that here in the US, but the forest waste, yes, in Canada, in parts of South America, there is a lot of the, the crop waste because they would burn them otherwise. And then other, you know, really great, uh, really in- carbon in- intense um, gases are agriculture waste from swine or dairy and, uh, and food waste. So it's, it's, you know, these are, this is gas that emissions that would normally just go up into the environment. And by capturing them, um, you know, we're, do- we're, we're, we're doing good. 
So I, when you said compressed natural gas, I remembered being at a conference a few years ago and the, I believe it was the secretary of, De, of the state DEP, Department of Environmental Protection Secretary for the state of Oklahoma. I know it was the mm -hmm. state of Oklahoma. I forget what his title was, but it was something environment or energy. And he said that part of their goal was to convert the state's whole fleet to CNG. And this yeah. seemed like something that was regional to Oklahoma, that it was regionally available or prolific. Sure. Is that the case with some of the infrastructure that there are regions of the U.S. where it's more popular? Sure. So Texas, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, especially with the natural gas, the shale play, mm -hmm. an awful lot of uses in those areas from the conventional. But I think more importantly is the story and the transition for our industry is that more and more of the motor fuel natural gas is renewable natural gas because it brings in these incredible carbon uh, benefits, right? This decarbonization benefit. Um, you know, RNG holds a lower carbon intensity uh, uh, on-road vehicle fuel than any other, including re renewable electric from wind or solar, because you're taking a negative and turning it into a positive solution. So you get all those benefits out of it. Whereas wind and solar start at zero, right? There's no negative benefit to begin with. It's, it's, it's free, um, you know, it's basically, it's free energy as opposed to um, capturing a problem. Um, it's been very, you know, RNG uh, in states that have LCFS programs like California, uh, I think Q3 data in, in California, and again, because there's multiple ways to produce it from different sources with different carbon intensities. In California last quarter, or Q3 of 2020 quarter, it came out as a negative 17.95. So the blend of that was actually a carbon negative transportation solution. Those are the types of things we should be talking about today and encouraging, right? Right, and so for those listeners that don't know, LCFS is low carbon fuel standard. And we don't have a federal low carbon fuel standard, but some states have them. Correct. Uh, there is talk, obviously, with the new administration that there might be interest in that. Currently, California has one. Uh, 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 there's it's moving in in Oregon and in Washington. Um, we see interest in a Midwest effort, and some states are calling them low carbon fuel standards. Others will call them a clean fuel standard. Uh, there's there's a bill. There's a, a a bill in both houses in, in New York. Uh, one just passed, a, a bill just passed the house in New Mexico this week, last week. So more and more states are looking at it. It's a way to incentivize this transition, right? Sure. And so you had mentioned that this is um, popular with, say, school buses, um, municipal mm -hmm. vehicles. How do you you know, how do you envision building on where you are today in terms of how many vehicles are using CNG yeah. so that more fleets, more, I assume that even FedEx and private companies use this technology as well? Right. So we represent not just equipment suppliers and fuelers and production companies that are, you know, producing equipment, but we also, and the natural gas we also represent fleets that are using it. So you might be surprised some of the biggest brand name fleets um, that are part of your everyday life are actually relying on natural gas right now, for especially for what we call that middle mile, that mile of warehouse to warehouse or warehouse to distribution center, maybe not, and, and even last mile delivery, um, UPS, waste management, uh, 
trash collection, PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, all using large amounts of natural gas um, in their middle mile fleets. The uh, uh, other fleets like Anheuser-Busch have committed to increasing, um, not only increasing use of natural gas trucks, but also by fueling them with renewable natural gas. And there was a Reuters article out just a month or two ago about an increase about Amazon looking to move their middle mile uh, transit to uh, to renewable natural gas. I mean, Amazon would be great. As I sit here in my home office, I see those Amazon vans going by my street all the time. Um, what is the cost difference? So, if you are a fleet owner saying mm -hmm. it's time your vehicles are getting old and it's time to replace them, right? Is it this? Is it cost competitive to replace with CNG? So there is a small incremental cost in the application of, you know, we have information on all of that on our website at ngbamerica.org. So you can see what some of those cost differences are. But I think more importantly, it's not just the cost of the vehicle up front, but you will save considerably on fuel costs over the life of the vehicle and also on service and maintenance costs because it's, it's such a clean product as it runs. Um, and certainly, you know, we, we hear that a lot from some of the electric vehicle operators, again, in the medium and heavy duty side, that their vehicles or their bus applications will be you know, far more cost competitive over time, maybe um, to purchase. But even now they have this great uh, total cost of ownership that's much lower. We've done a lot of studies and analysis of that over the last couple of years to find that you no know, natural gas actually has a really, really low total cost of ownership um, because it runs so clean, because you don't need all the, the equipment on that you would with a diesel product. So it, uh, it can be cost competitive over time. Um, there are programs out there, DERA, CMAQ, individual states have programs that will also assist in subsidizing some of that incremental cost as well. So if you're interested in looking or transitioning to natural gas, I would encourage you to, to contact us or work with a, a number of different, one of our members or partners because someone will be, there are a lot of bright people out there that can help you figure out those financial um, incentives. And it sounds like there are probably opportunities to help with that transition at all levels, right? Local level, state level, federal level. Sure, sure. Traditionally, natural gas has, has had a price advantage over diesel. And so if you are a company like UPS, you know, next to your labor, fuel is your number one cost. So when, when, when you can achieve those types of savings, that's real. There's also a federal tax credit, an alternative fuel tax credit of 50 cents a gallon. That, that's a you know, tremendous incentive because now, now you're getting money back in your pocket at the end of the year um, uh, for running a cleaner fuel. So when you're looking to the future and where you want to see the industry moving, what, what does that look like? Well, I think what we see is really moving into this niche market for commercial fleets. Uh, again, we've always had, I mentioned uh, freight. So we, I call them the three T's, trash, trucks, and transit have always been our sweet spot. But we're seeing more and more interest from, you know, uh, commercial vehicles that return to base again, vans, um, uh, F-150, you know, pickup style trucks, work trucks, where electric might not work for them because of range because weather conditions. Um, so we think it's really important, you know, that the government and this new administration especially look to um, provide fleets with that type of flexibility, right? We've got to allow for all viable clean technologies. And as we talked about earlier, you know, natural gas itself, the engines itself are, are very pure running. Um, you know, in essence, they're zero emission equivalent. 
Um, but when you add in, if you fuel those engines with renewable natural gas, you're getting all these incredible decarbonization benefits. And so it's probably not uh, an, an ideal option for uh, a passenger vehicle like we started back, as I mentioned, in the late 80s. Um, but it is a terrific opportunity for commercial fleets. And, and because natural gas um, has the properties that it does, we're seeing it even being in high horsepower applications like um, uh, ocean-going vessels, marine, uh, even in the Caribbean, so a lot, a lot of green water, and even brown water, inland waterways, and other off-roads like rail and uh, and construction and mining. So it has, as, as we focus more on ESG, we focus more on, on uh, environmental sustainability at all points, right, of our business operations, we've got to look at transportation. And renewable natural gas fuel trucks provide uh, a unique, easy, ready right now, commercially available and affordable solution. Well, I love seeing progress in technologies. And so, you know, everything that you were saying, I mean, like I said, many years ago, I had this, went to a conference or saw some panel about this. And it just seems that even since then, the technology has advanced. I know on EVs, it, it, it's advanced. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to live in a time where we're constantly seeing this innovation and drive that is all driven by a desire to reduce emissions and tackle climate change, which it would be, you know, benefits us all. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And, and we think, you know, there there's technology out there that has a benefit that can benefit all applications. Um, we just have to be able to utilize it. Right. Don't, you can't mandate one over the other. And and so for for some of our niche markets that I mentioned or niche applications, um, you know, there's really a huge cost effectiveness benefit. So if you're looking if the end result is to say, reduce urban emissions and air pollution and decarbonize transportation, and you can get more clean trucks on the road sooner now, right, that aren't test projects, but you can get them available on the road, you can impact frontline communities, right, and dis disadvantaged communities right now, right away. And so um, that's sort of been our message to policymakers in this new Congress and this new administration. Well, this is always the fun part of a new Congress when people are not, well, I won't say they aren't in their corners because it's been maybe a little bit more of a partisan kickoff than um, normal, but yeah. it does still feel like all things are possible and it definitely feels like um, a little breath of fresh air that we have an administration that has asked all of the federal agencies to do what they can within their jurisdiction, within their mission to um, tackle an issue like climate change. And I look forward to more, seeing more advances. And I, I know that now that we've had this conversation, I'm going to be on the road. Not that I do that often these days, but I'll be on the road and I'm going to see, aren't they labeled? Your they are. Days? They are. Yeah. So if you're driving down the highway and you look over and you see a class eight trucker and you, you're going to do that pull your hand down. If there's a large cabinet behind the cab, like a yeah. cabinet, that's likely cylinders of CNG. They could also have it, you know, a big tank on the side, just like diesel, but it will always have that triangle or that diamond pattern, right? In our, for blue RNG or I'm sorry, green RNG or the diamond for CNG or LNG, you know, gonna be on the I mean, we've all been behind transit buses that have one of those and we get in and we say, I don't even smell any diesel exhaust. Exactly, right? So getting, getting more of these trucks and buses on the road is important. We, we just, I'm gonna leave you with one, one great fact. 
we, we tried to calculate what the emissions impact was because we're spending a lot of money to try and transition our private electric vehicle fleet over, you know, all the cars that we're driving. If you replace one single diesel class eight truck, one tractor trailer, diesel tractor trailer with one brand new clean ultra low NOx natural gas truck, that's the emissions equivalent of removing 119 gas cars off the road. Wow. So a lot of bang for your buck by transitioning some of these dirty heavy fleets. So listeners who want to know more can find more information at your website, which you said was NGV America. America.org. Org. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and schooling us on natural gas vehicles and good luck with this new administration, new Congress. Thanks so much. We appreciate the opportunity. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. Price, happy spring. Happy spring, superstar host Chelsea Henderson. We have officially come to the spring and our spring break. And let me just say really quickly that when I reference in the last podcast about, about us going to lather up in spring break with Ray, let me just clarify that I didn't mean it literally. We're not going out and violating any kind of protocol, COVID protocols that were smart, responsible with our activities here at Republican.org and you and me, you know, ourselves. But just as a quick disclaimer, I didn't literally mean we were going to start flocking to Florida, Maryland, South Carolina beaches, wherever and uh, go joyride that this pandemic is over. So, But we are going to have our spring break, and we are going to have fun taking a couple weeks off. We are indeed. I mean, I think that, you know, you and I have both um, lived very responsibly this last year, and I think my world's been even smaller than yours because your kids at least are kind of in part-time school, whereas my, you know, mine have been all virtual for over a year now, and... So, yeah, sometimes just taking a break means pulling something off your plate and uh, refreshing your attention. And so looking forward to getting the program together for our, are we calling it season 2, 2.0, season 2, second half, season 3? What should we call the next round? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't even thought about like I did should think about. Should we poll our listeners? What do they want it to be? <laughs> sure. I, I think season 2, part 2, or or season 2 continued. I don't know what we call it, but I, I know that I thought about that that reference on the last podcast, and it bothered me that there might be somebody that take would take it literally that we were literally going out and hitting beaches and you know and overindulging like you see on the news. And I just I was like, I got to make that clear that nobody actually really thinks that. But I know that we will continue rolling on because what our next episode will be, at least of season two, what we'll call the rest of season two. I don't know, but the thirteenth Tuesday, the thirteenth. So mark your calendar. And like you astutely mentioned last week, I think it's a great time if you missed an episode, certainly one of our first, what, 10, 11, 12 of uh, this year that we started back in January. This is a great time to go back and listen because you mentioned it's they're all pretty, you know, they hold their content well as far as the timeliness. So it's always a good chance if you're new to the podcast to go back and maybe listen to an interview or two that might strike your fancy. Yeah, and I think that I I'm right. Of course, Price, I'm right. You're always uh, right. <laughs> that our 
our episodes age really well. So I don't think that there's much that is talked about that would feel outdated, except perhaps our little post-election day um, musings, which I think we were wrong because after the election, we thought that the Republicans were going to hold control of the Senate. So that's the only episode I maybe would pass on listeners, but any of the others, give them a listen. And, you know, this week, obviously, we learned about um, natural gas vehicles, which was interesting to me because, as I think I revealed in my questions, I didn't really know a whole lot um, about that type of technology. I do just want to make it clear, though, to our listeners and our readers that at RepublicEN.org, we are not in the market of picking winners and losers. And that comes off sounding like, oh, we shouldn't have this or we shouldn't have that. But we believe that a carbon tax will drive the marketplace to pick the solutions that are the most effective and also the most cost effective. So the most effective in reducing greenhouse gases, but also the most cost effective. And so, you know, obviously natural gas vehicles will compete in that market. And, you know, to that end, I think it's good to get educated. But I'm already hearing from people who have a better idea. And you know what, Price? Again, we aren't the experts. We bring you these listeners. We bring you these guests so that we can all get educated about what's out there. And so, don't take it as an endorsement that now we're all going out and lobbying. We don't lobby. So um, anyway, take it as educational, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yes. And just to remind everybody, we are an educational campaign. We don't do politics, 501c3. So a lot of times when we have guests on, um, like Daniel Gage this week, uh, learning about natural gas, you know, LNG powered vehicle, all that, you know, the the nuances of um, uh, of natural gas. It's a chance not only for us to learn, uh, but also for our listeners, because, you know, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of times the interviews that we have are uh, evergreen as far as they they hold their timeliness and content. Well, uh, because they're often educational and, and, and it gives us a chance to learn more about something that we didn't know. Um, and this week was more of the same for me because. You know, I'm I'm not an automotive guy per se. I, I will tell you, I learned a lot more about automotive, uh, um, you know, cars, you know, trucks, vehicles. You know, working for Bob, you know, in the house. There's my, uh, you know, Senate staff <laughs> that I always show. <laughs> <You did it. laughs> but when Bob was doing a lot of work on hydrogen on the House Science Committee, and you know, I learned about a lot about the wells to wheels transformation with what we had going on in the Fourth District of South Carolina. But you know, for natural gas, this this was a learning opportunity for me. Um, and I really I thought Daniel Gates did a great job of laying out, especially, you know, the, you know, the cost benefit here and there of, of, you know, when he talks about moving fleets, you know, especially some bigger, you know, high profile fleets with in terms of companies and brands. Um, I thought it was really interesting and, and, and learned a lot about that from from that respect from him. So, yeah, that was another uh, another good one that I, I got a lot out of. Yeah. And like I was sort of remem- reminiscing that. Back when I was on the Hill, five bucks, I'll put it in the, <laughs> I mentioned I worked on the Hill jar, um, that, you know, eight, um, UPS and FedEx, like these companies were already thinking of that. And this was more than a decade ago. Yeah. You know, they were thinking of the ways that they could um, be more fuel efficient because at the end it helps their bottom line too. And this was a time, obviously, when gas prices were a little higher than they are today, but you know, we, that's the crazy things we can never really predict. We can't predict how gas prices are going to fluctuate and we can't predict how energy prices are going to fluctuate. So, um, you know, continuing to innovate and, 
you know, we've seen it with EVs. It used to be that the the concern with electric vehicles was range anxiety. And now that's pretty much not really even an issue. And so these technologies continue to improve. And it's just kind of good to know the universe of what's out there. All right. That is a good segue really quickly to let our listeners know a couple things. Number one, if there's somebody you would like to hear on the podcast, please let us know if you've got a good idea for a a guest, somebody that you think would be uh, interesting for listeners to hear, drop our superstar host, Chelsea Henderson, a line. Anybody that you can think of, you know, email her, let her know. Um, we're always here taking suggestions because we don't have all the answers. You do because you are our listeners and you are the reason why we do this. Uh, the second thing I would plug and mention is if you are interested in having Bob Inglis, Superstar Chelsea Henderson, any member of our team or the Republican.org presence at, at an event, uh, especially virtually coming up because we're all still pretty much operating in a virtual sense. Hopefully, our hope is that come the fall that we will be able to get back on the road and start doing some uh, some events in person. I guess that is just wishful thinking, but I we're also being very optimistic because you know, giving it uh, a few more months is the current administration has said to get vaccines and everything out. And hopefully anybody that wants one will have one come, uh, especially by summer's end. Hopefully that's the case. But if you are interested, regardless of in-person, virtual, uh, if you're interested in having Bob or any of our team uh, is at your event or a part of an event or something you're thinking about doing, uh, a class at a university, a panel, whatever it may be, drop me a line, price at republican.org. Again, price at republican.org. Um, we would love to to talk with you and certainly see that what we can do to get on the calendar. Right, Chelsea? That's right. And um, there was something that I was going to say when you were saying all that. And of course, it's just floated right out of my head. But um, oh, when you had said they should contact me, I just wanted to share my email as well, which is Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at Republic and Republic en.org. So how, how could have I for, how could I have forgotten to mention your contact when I'm making that plug and that pitch? How in the world? That is please excuse me. Hey, it's Monday morning when we are are recording this and I know I already had a couple of cups of coffee, but I'm still feeling the cobwebs in my brain. So I think we're all at that point. And this, that's why we need a break. That's why we're going to take this little break. Yes. And we're going to break right out of here uh, after this episode. Thanks to everybody for listening again. I, um, iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, many different ways to listen. Just hit the subscribe button. I'll let Chelsea plug, giving us a rating and review. Um, but please do that. Check us out. Subscribe and tell a friend, please. During this break, tell a friend and you know let your friend know when you tell them about the podcast that new episodes will be starting back on Tuesday, April thirteenth. Yeah, and and you know to that end, I I know that listening to podcasts can feel overwhelming, and I have my handful that I subscribe to, and there are just some weeks where I don't get to them right. And then sometimes it becomes this like never ending cycle. Where I'm like, well, I missed last week. So can I watch, listen this week? And you don't have to worry about that. You skip one, you'll catch up on the next week or during this two week period, you get yourself caught up. But like we have emphasized before, you you can listen, you can pick up and listen at any point and not feel like you're out in left field missing something. So this is not like a series where it's one con connects to the other. Each episode is an individual episode. 
and um, give us that that five-star review. Drop us that one line. And uh, again, if you have any guest ideas, feel free to shout them out to me. All right. Uh, thanks to our new members, Mary G. in Nebraska, Joan S. in Virginia, Ronald K. in New York, Jesse D. in Florida, Trevor C. in Utah. That's just a few of the new folks who have signed up to stand with us at republican.org forward slash join, which you can do. It takes all of seconds, republican.org forward slash join. And we appreciate everybody that is standing with us and hope that we can continue to find more of you to to, to stand with us. As we move forward, but Chelsea will do it again. We'll be back on Tuesday, April the 13th for us. We will see you here in a few weeks. That's right. So everyone be well, be healthy, stay safe, and get outside. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.